keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch movies from our youth and see how problematic they may be by today's standards. I am Jimmy. And I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing Drop Dead Fred, which was released in the US on May 24th, 1991, and in the UK on October 11th, 1991, in Ireland, January 31st, 1992. It was written by Carlos Davis and Anthony Finkelton, based on a story by Elizabeth Livingston. It was directed by Eight De Young. And stars Phoebe Cates, Rick Mail, uh, Marsha Mason, Tim Matheson, and Carrie Fisher. So, 11th of October is my birthday. So, yay, this was released on my 15th. <laughs> um, and I wanted to go and see it, but I couldn't go and see it. I don't know, I can't remember why, but there was a reason why I couldn't go and see it. Anyway, Jen and I have thought of problems this movie has for each, and we'll take turns saying them and have a general discussion on the movie. We will also have one positive thing to say about it. So, Jen, do you have any history with this movie? Uh, yeah, I first saw it on VHS. I'm going to guess this is one I probably rented within a year or so of it coming out on VHS. Um, and I loved it. I watched it a handful of times when I was younger. Um, although I think I've seen the second half a lot more because I think it's something I caught on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was always after it started. And then uh, when there were people, God, I guess it was like... 16, 17 years ago, uh, Papa John's Pizza uh, was doing a promotion where you would get, I can't remember if it was a free DVD with a pizza or if you had to pay like a couple dollars, but they had a selection of like four movies and one of them was Drop Dead Fred. And I ordered pizza just to get the movie because it was still cheaper than buying it at Best Buy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, because DVDs were like 20, 30 bucks. Oh yeah. And, um, I mean, they are now too, but they usually go down in price pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I got my Drop Dead Fred. But the funny thing is, um, it was in it's it wasn't in like a regular DVD case. It was in just kind of like a square slip cover. All right. And I have a handful of DVDs that are CD size like that, mm-hmm. and mostly screeners I got when I worked at the video store. And so they're all in their own little rack that I can't find. I know I've seen it in the past year, but I can't find it. And so I actually ended up just watching this on Hulu, even though I'd been talking about how proud I was of my Papa John's pizza DVD. Yeah, you have been talking about it for weeks now, and you, can't, yeah. you didn't even get to watch it. That's a shame. <laughs> so they were the discs were in little, like sort of uh, square cardboard cases, just sleeves. Not cardboard, just like paper sleeves. Yeah. Right. Well. Our newspapers, we've spoken about this before, but our newspapers sometimes give away DVDs, and mm-hmm. they're usually in those, they're usually in little cardboard sleeves, um, so it's easier to, you know, put inside a newspaper. 
Yeah, and it's that's convenient, and I'm sure that's why we're able to get these things for free mm-hmm. uh, in these kinds of promotions. But it's really hard to shelf them. It is, yes. What's your history? I've been a, a huge Rick Mail fan since, I don't know, birth. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch The Young Ones. Um, mm-hmm. which was 1982 and then 1984. So I was pretty young. I was about six or seven when I, I, I was watching The Young Ones. And that's not really a show a six or seven-year-old should be watching. Um, and I watched these other stuff like, uh, you'll probably not be familiar with it, but Kevin Turvey and uh, The Dangerous Brothers. He was uh, The New Statesman. And uh, he started another sitcom called Bottom. Um, the same year this was released, 91, and that went for free, free series. So he was massive over here, and I was a huge fan of him and Adrian Edmund, Edmondson, who was his uh, co-writer and um, uh, just basic co-person and loads of things, apart from The New Statesman. The New Statesman was just Rick. But, yeah, I used to worship Rick Mail. <laughs> so, obviously, when this film came out, and I would see the adverts for it on in, uh, newspapers and stuff, I'm like, holy shit, Rick Mail's in a movie? That's, you know, and he's, like, leading the movie? Um, that's fantastic. I really want to go and see that. But, again, I can't remember why I couldn't go and see it. It probably wasn't playing in my local cinema at the time. I probably had to travel further afield and I couldn't do that. Um, but, yeah, I used to watch it. Once it came out in VHS, I watched it a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and now I own the Blu-ray. So, yeah, that's my history of it. Rick Mail died in 2014. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those celebrity deaths that hit me. Like, not many do, but Rick Mail, Robin Williams, and David Bowie all sort of hit me pretty hard. And they all died around about, you know, a couple of years of each other. Yeah. So, that wasn't. And that was back when I was suffering from depression and anxiety anyway. So that wasn't a really good thing um, because I would sit and watch my DVDs of the young ones just to cheer me up or bottom or um, I would listen to David Bowie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, wasn't was a good time. But anyway, the DVD extras, uh, apparently the writers um, got their idea, got the idea from their friend, Elizabeth Livingston. Um, and obviously they named the, the main character after her, but it was her child who had a, mm-hmm. um, an imaginary friend called Drop Dead Fred. So the writers just thought that was interesting, and they just wrote the script. Yeah, I saw that, and I was disappointed to find out that it was just like a friend of theirs, because when I saw that somebody named Elizabeth had come up with the story, I was really hoping it would be that like a child yeah. came up with the idea Same for, here. The, <laughs> for the movie. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... I guess kind of a child did, but yeah, that just that that disappointed me because I was like, I really wish the child came up with the name. Oh, okay. So I, I didn't. My problem is it. I slept in a little, so I didn't get done <laughs> with the movie as early as I usually do. Because I do like, I usually like to look into the background of the movie a little more, like yeah, trivia, whatever. And I didn't really have time to do that because I. I finished this movie less than an hour ago. That's okay. I I did it this time. I don't always do it, but I did it this time because um, it was Rick Mayo when I wanted to. Um, obviously, he wasn't in the Blu-ray extras because he'd passed away by that point. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So what else on the extras? It's basically just a commentary by the um, the director 
and then uh, who's Dutch, and just a load of uh, interviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do they interview Phoebe Cates? No, Phoebe Cates. This they, they mention her because, but they asked her to be in the Blu-ray extras, but she declined because she's retired completely. So she's she doesn't even do DVD extras anymore. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Can we talk about her for a second? Of course. Before we really get into it. Because mm-hmm. I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, Fast Times is one of my favorite movies. Um, although I'm probably one of the only people that doesn't immediately think of her in the swimsuit when I think of that movie. Mm. Um, that's not the, That's not even like the fifth thing I think of. Um, and I've been thinking about it a lot because they did that charity read mm-hmm. uh, the other day of Fast Times, which was delightful. Um but she retired in like the mid nineties. She was married to Kevin Klein mm-hmm. and just like retired to go be a mom. I didn't know actors did that. <laughs> <laughs> she, like she was the first actress I'd ever heard of voluntarily being like, cause she was doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, not like amazingly, but like, you know, she was starring in movies and then she was just like, Nope. And she left. And I think now she has a boutique. Um, but then the funny thing is she got her friend Bridget Fonda to do a cameo in this movie. Mm-hmm. And Bridget Fonda did the same thing. Yeah. She retired in the early aughts, like in 2002 or something. She she had married Danny Elfman and she just went to go be a mom. Yeah. Good for her. And then they just disappeared forever. I mean, Phoebe Cates did the anniversary party in 2001 mm-hmm. because it was written and I think directed by... Um, it was Alan Cumming and her friend Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. And so she did that as like a favor to her friend. And that's the last time we saw her. Mm-hmm. And I just, that's insane. That's what, 19 years ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, cr- like, it's just, for some reason, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Like, someone just walking away. And, like, I admire it because sometimes you get the feeling there are a lot of actors that really do want to leave. Mm hmm. But when they continue to get offers and stuff, like, I, I'm guessing it's a job where if you're still in demand at all, it's got to be really hard to, to walk away. Yeah. Like they say, they 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 asked her to do <laughs> They asked mm-hmm. for an interview, but she declined. So, you know, it's, yeah, it would have been nice to hear from her, though, about this. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, what does she even, what does she think about her movies? Yeah. Like, does she, does she even like this movie? Yeah, exactly. It would be nice to know. And you know, I would like. I also like to know she got in with Rick Mail <laughs> because like Rick Mail was um, was a lot, um, but uh, everybody apparently loved Rick Mail. Um, and around about this time, apparently, and this, this is going by what the writers of the the movie were saying that everybody wanted Rick Mail to be in their movies, and he just like continuously turned them down. Mm-hmm. Um, he was offered the role um, of Mad Madigan and um, Willow, um, the role okay. that Val Kilmer took, which <laughs> okay. which would have been a different a different role, obviously, but it, uh, because uh, Ron Howard was a fan of his work um, of the young ones and stuff, but he turned it down. Apparently, he t- Rick Mail turned down quite a lot of American offers to be in their movies. Because he just wasn't really interested in that. What? Because he enjoyed doing what he was doing on TV and um, on stage. He took Drop Dead Fred because he liked the idea that he could mould the character of Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, because it wasn't really written. It was it was written in such a way that 
how it was played would depend on the actor, if you know what I mean, rather than yeah. it just being strict, this is how the the character acts in the script. He liked the idea that he could mould it into this crazy, wacky character, so that's why he took this role. My first problem... I've got stupid problems with this thing. My first <laughs> problem is they shave a cat for for, for one gag. And I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I. it didn't occur to me to make that a problem, but I, I that didn't really sit super well with yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I did think about that when I saw that cat. Yeah. Was um they didn't need to do it. It wasn't like essential to the plot. It was a flashback. It wasn't something that needed to be done. Uh, and that apparently was Rick Mail's idea, which you know I, I don't like. But um, but he said that he wanted to do that because it was something he thinks it was something that Fred would do. I mean, I I buy that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the reality. Yeah, of the fact, like you're thinking about the fact that they had to get a cat mm-hmm. on set mm-hmm. and shave it. And not even... Com- I'm, I hope they at least completely shaved it afterwards. Yeah. Because it, the, it bothers me, the idea that they would leave the long hair. Yeah. <laughs> and it would just be this cat that's shaved in the middle. Yeah, that's two episodes in a row that I've complained about animal cruelty. Um, <laughs> and I don't think this is that cruel, but... Because the cat wouldn't have been hurt. But it's still... But just aren't, the, you know, aren't cats hum- easily humiliated? Yeah, they are. Like, I don't. Is that the kind of thing that a cat would like be really embarrassed by? I think so. Yes, possibly, but I, I don't know. Um, I hope that cat scratched him at some point. Well, it wasn't Rick Mail that done it. Well, yeah, but it was his idea, so I hope. <laughs> but at I hope some the cat point, he was him. around the cat, and the cat scratched him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he was uh, smart enough not to be near that fucking cat. Um, the, the the director didn't need to do it. Although, mm-hmm. from what I can gather, it, is, it was actually kind of Rick Mail's sort of movie because he got to pick the director. Oh, how nice. Approve the director. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, before you get into your problem, the woman who mm-hmm. gets paint thrown over her is the director's mother. <laughs> okay. Yes. He got his own mother... You know, and he says he jokes in the commentary that it is uh, that it um actually saves from loads of hours of therapy. He just throws paint <laughs> over his own mum. <laughs> right, that's that's like um with not that he says he needs therapy, yeah. but like Dan Levy, you know, doing Shit's Creek. That he, uh, he said that his father hates like getting his hair wet. He hates anything like that. Like I guess he's very precious about his hair. So in like the second episode of Shit's Creek, he has him. He has there be like a leak on his head. Nay. And I think that um, a lot of a lot of filmmakers, TV makers, if they can torture their parents a little, mm-hmm. they will. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what's your uh, what's your first problem? Um, her fucking clothes. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I understand that this was a more popular, like this was a more common look back then. Um, I know that my mother had, you know, some clothes much like Elizabeth's in this movie. Um, And I also understand that she's supposed to be um, like, clearly, I mean, this movie is about childhood trauma Mm -hmm. Um, and she, she's supposed to be, you know, more childlike and everything. And I get that. Mm -hmm. 
But I have trouble believing that she would even get the attention of someone like Charles. Yeah. When she dresses that way, when she looks the way she looks. Although maybe, sorry, maybe he just thought that she was easily to manipulate. Yeah, but then... I, and I've, look, I've thought about this a lot all morning. <laughs> it's like, on the one hand, I get the clothing choice, but on the other hand, it still bothers me. And I remember it bothering me when I first saw this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, probably 10 or something. And this is like, when we're in the thick of like people actually wearing things like this. So this isn't just me looking, you know, back at it, you know, almost 30 years later and being like, that doesn't work. When Laura Ashley dresses and stuff were very popular at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, she's been with Charles for, like, three years. Mm-hmm. And that just feels like like if he was picking someone like her that could be easily manipulated and stuff, which I do believe. I guess I would figure if I'm going to buy the clothes and stuff with, with him, that maybe it would be a longer relationship. Yeah. Like, that he quits so easily. I just wish it had been a little different. Like, like there's a scene where she goes to see Janie, and she's wearing a skirt and like this white sweater. Mm-hmm. And like, even that looks better to me than like the other stuff they have her wearing. It's just, I just don't buy that Charles would, would even look at a woman like that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I understand. I agree with yeah. You. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause it's like, even as I'm saying it in my head, I'm arguing. But I, I, I think if I felt this way for almost 30 years, mm-hmm. that it is definitely a problem. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. What What's your second problem? There was something I wanted to talk about, but it's not really a problem. Okay. I wanted to talk about it being pretty dark. Well, that's part of one of my problems. Yeah. Right, okay, that's good. Good. So, my second problem is, the young girl who plays Elizabeth clearly has a different eye colour to Phoebe Cates. Oh, I didn't even notice. Well, may I may I tell you a fun fact that I read right before we started? Mm-hmm. I read that this was offered to Jody Sweeten, but the producers of Full House wouldn't let her do it. All right. Like I would think that maybe she, they would need to dye her hair darker or something, but like she definitely had that same like I love I love her voice, little Elizabeth's voice. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, my my kid has been talking to his friends on Facebook Messenger a lot, like on video. And, you know, he has a friend that has this, like, little chipmunky kid's voice. And I couldn't figure out what it, what I always think of when I hear that kind of voice. And watching this movie, I was like, this is what it is. Right. It's this little girl. And then when I looked her up, the, the you know, she's obviously a grown woman now. She does a lot of voice work. Yeah. Which makes total sense to me. <laughs> and she played a young Kitty Foreman on uh, that 70s show. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is perfect. I remember that. And she was really good. So she's always just had this like this voice, this weird little voice. But it'd be interesting if it was Jody Sweeten. It would be, yeah. We all have different tastes in music. Some of us like hip hop. Some of us like Vaporwave. So shouldn't we all be able to have different wireless options too? Because while one person might need unlimited, shared data might work better for someone else. And other people could be into having a mix of each, all in one plan. But that's their way exactly the way they want it. It's your wireless, your rules, only with Xfinity Mobile. Go to XfinityMobile.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Requires postpay Xfinity Internet. 
Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Disney wanted to make it, um, but they wanted Goldie Hawn as the main character. But they didn't want Rick Mail involved. I know, they didn't want Rick Mail involved. Um, but the writers thought that he was perfect, so they decided not to go with Disney. Because <laughs> it took them a while to actually find someone to, you know, uh, distribute the film. So, yeah, that's my second problem. That's, that's <laughs> it. The, the eye colour thing. Different eye colour. Yeah, well, it, it just, it sort of, I mean, if you notice it, which I do, it just sort of takes me out of it, you know, a little bit. It's like, I don't really buy it's supposed to be the same person if they've got different eye colour. What colour are her eyes and what colour are Phoebe Cates' eyes? The girls are blue and Phoebe's is um, brown. Well, I um, I do know that, like, I think it's a majority of people, or at least white people, are born with blue eyes, but then it changes mm-hmm. later. Um, I don't know exactly what is the average true? age is for it changing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I've heard. And my it's so funny because I thought my eyes were blue for the longest time. And my mom had always said they were blue. And then I discovered, like, within the last decade that they're green. Yeah. But they had been blue throughout my childhood. And then whenever I got contacts, I wear gas permeable contacts, so they're smaller. Mm-hmm. And if you if you drop one, they are harder to spot. So I've always had blue contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, just so, just if anything, because of that. And because of my contacts, everyone thinks my eyes are blue. And I thought my eyes were blue. And I didn't know. And at some point, they changed. Right, okay. Right. So we're just going to put it down to... Right, okay, here's my other second problem then. Um, okay. <laughs> they don't use Carrie Fisher well enough. Well, okay, let's go to my second problem. <laughs> right, okay. Which is, which is J- Janie. I have some problems. Right. First of all, I read that she got to rewrite a lot of her lines, which you can totally tell. Yeah, that was in the DVD extras as well. I love her speed walking and smoking. That's classic Carrie Fisher, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's there's so much in this movie where it's like, oh, that's just Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. And they, you're right, they don't use her well enough. It's not so much that I have a problem with the fact that she believes Elizabeth. Um, I In this kind of movie, like anything where there's like a body swap, or an imaginary friend, or someone has, like, their age has changed. You know, you want them to have a friend that doesn't treat them like they're totally nuts. Mm -hmm. But, and I know her house has just been destroyed, and she's upset. But the fact that at her workplace, she's, like, trying to beat up Fred. And, (laughs) like, it's, it's, it's the fact that she not only believes it, but she's, like, actively participating and, like, she seems to believe it to a degree where I'm like, you're nuts. Right. It just, it takes me out a little because I'm like, you know, we, I, there's a way to watch it where at least for a while you think Phoebe Cates is crazy. Like, there's a certain point where it's clear she's not, like, dropped it yes. by real. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> because I've read articles saying um, it's all in our head the entire movie. And it's all about, you know, um, PTSD and childhood trauma. And and yes, it is, but Fred's real. So thank you. Fred is definitely real. If there's any question, it should go away when they go to the therapist. Yep. And he is seeing the other imaginary friends, but she's not seeing them. 
no. that would make absolutely no sense if it's all in her head. And yes. also the fact that the, you know, the like her friend's little girl sees him when, I mean, I'm going to assume her friend didn't tell, you know, no. the little girl about him. But also in the therapy room, um, we actually see another child's point of view of his imaginary friend. Yeah. So the imaginary friends are real. But my problem is like, yeah, it's one thing for us to think that, you know, maybe Elizabeth is a little crazy Mm -hmm. because maybe he's imaginary. But like, Janie is fucking nuts. (laughs) I don't know. There's something about it that has always bothered me. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I can't, and especially as an adult, it's like she's in her damn workplace and she's behaving this way. And I'm just like, I'm, I start to be more concerned for her than Elizabeth. Yeah, because we know that Elizabeth is right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but we don't know what our deal is, <laughs> what Carrie Fisher's yeah. deal is. You know that the, um, podcast, How Did This Get Made? Yeah. Um, with Paul Shear. Well, they did a show about this, and I remember listening to it a uh, couple, was it last year, I think, that it was released? And, um, the very first light, the very first thing that Paul Shear says is, it's Fight Club, but for kids. Which is wrong in both levels. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's neither Fight Club nor is it for kids. So there you go. No, I I, I get that though. The article I read was a really well written article, um, and um, the woman put across her points very very well, but she didn't include the very last scene or the scene with the other imaginary friends in the the, the office. So if you read that and you hadn't seen the movie in a while, you you would be you know all right and thinking yeah. That's mm-hmm. true. It's all right to believe it, yeah, because he doesn't include those two things. But hey ho! Uh, but Fred's real people. There's a deleted scene where um, Elizabeth, at the end, when she's going through all her trials of um, getting rid of people, uh, she actually meets all the other. She goes to drop dead Fred's home, mm-hmm. and there's all these other imaginary friends. They're all there. The ones that we saw, and loads of other ones. So. You know, it's it's all real. It drives me crazy when people can't just fucking watch a movie or TV show and understand what is happening. Like, I, I know that there's a lot of things that are up to interpretation, um, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's the interesting thing. Like, there are tons of TV shows and movies. Um, and, you know, this is stuff I learned in, like, freshman English in college, like reading comprehension and that uh, some people might see one thing. Mm-hmm. and other people see another, and that's fine. Yeah. But sometimes you have something that's super clear, like this. Like, I it, I just don't see how, with those two scenes, I don't see how you can interpret it as he is not real. And it's, it's you know, the biggest example of this, and I'm sure you've heard me rant about this a million times, but, like, it's people who say that Lost, that, they, that the last episode proved they were in purgatory the whole time. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. That is factually incorrect. Like it yes. it drives me crazy, especially since I'll tell you what, I don't often just sit there and watch this shit. I'm sitting there, I'm playing Candy Crush. Back in the day, I'm playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> like I'm not <laughs> it's not I'm not even giving it all my attention and I see what they are plainly stating. Yeah. And it's like what what movie were you watching that you thought that this guy isn't real. I know. Sorry. I'm just, it, it really frustrates me because the thing is, 
a lot of the times when I hear these theories, I mean, obviously, a lot of times it's just randos on the internet. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it is in people who got paid to write about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why am I not getting paid (laughs) to write about this kind of stuff? Because I actually am paying attention and understand what's like, it, it bothers me that like professionals are not getting it. Yeah. And that's my rant. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. <laughs> What's your third problem? Um, yeah, okay, so let's talk about how you get rid of Fred. Um, okay. Kiss me and say my name. But what if she was still a child? So a child has to kill, kiss a grown man? Yeah, Fred's um, really upsetting and uh, inappropriate and... I don't want to think about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's just always bothered me, that part. It's just like, yeah, she's an adult, but, I mean, there can't be many times where a, a grown woman has to get rid of her, or a grown man has to get rid of his um, imaginary friend. So why does the kiss me and say my name rule apply? Why, is, why does it exist? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, one of my one of my problems was going to be watching movies on Blu-ray because um, <laughs> there's a stunt where Fred slides down the banister, and now that I can clearly see mm-hmm. that it's not him, it's a stuntman. <laughs> when, oh, I was, no. when I was watching it, yeah, when I was watching it in VHS, I could clearly see that. Well, I couldn't clearly see when I was watching it in VHS. I thought it was Rick Mayo that done it because he did do a lot of stunts in his TV shows. But mm-hmm. now on Blu-ray, I can see it's a stuntman. But yeah. So, what's your your third problem? Uh, okay. So this is the, you know, when we first started, I had a lot more problems that were like, we're I'm watching an older movie through like, the eyes of someone who understands more about you know sexism or racism or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't done that as much recently. But I do have a thing where it's like living in a different world where we now acknowledge trauma um, and mental health issues. I, I appreciate this movie is clearly about childhood trauma. Yeah. Um, and what it can do to you and how it can affect you as an adult. The part of me that watches current movies where we don't dance around the subject as much. I wish this movie, like, you know, I, I do like how dark it is. <laughs> I do enjoy that. But I wish they got into it a little more. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wish, I mean, because they do, it's like, it's one of those things where sometimes you watch things that were made, you know, years ago, where you're surprised they're acknowledging a certain subject, but then you wonder how much they understand what they're talking about, right? Like, yeah. Uh, in Dawson's Creek, in the second season of Dawson's Creek, Andy has some serious mental health issues. Yeah. And they, it's like, they they get into mental health issues in a way that I, that I didn't think shows really did at the time. Mm-hmm. And, but they are still, it, it seems like they don't understand how deep they're actually going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they relate it more to like, they're family trauma or whatever instead of being like no there might be like a chemical imbalance here that she's gonna have to deal with for the rest of her life right yeah and and so here it's like it's i mean i know that they show her mom is cruel like and she she does lock her in her room as an adult 
But I just wish they went into it a little more, like, how awful her mom was. Mm -hmm. And also how she's been functioning as an adult at all. Like, how has this been affecting her over the years? It's like there's this huge gap where I don't, I would like to know a little more about that. I could use a mini series, a drop dead crime series, I think is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> I have I it, it just made me want a little more of the of the darkness. Yeah, no, I, I Am, is there something wrong with me? No, I agree with you. Um because going by the, the Blu ray extras, uh the distributors had no idea how to market this movie. Mm-hmm. Um they did they they, they tried to market it as like a kids movie. With the the trailer and the posters, yeah. But it's about it's about mental illness. It's 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 it's, it's not a children's. Movie. No, it's not at all. But um, I mean, it still made some money. It was a it was a um, low budget film, so it still made some money at the box mm-hmm. office. But and enough that they were going to make a sequel at one point. And also, the dad, yeah, the dad leaves because of the mum. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of the way the mum's treating Elizabeth, he doesn't like it. But yeah, he loses points for not taking Elizabeth away from her. He, oh he my just... god, I got so <laughs> angry. Like I, it, 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 it's what's frustrating is that it's realistic. Like realistically, yeah. If a man is fed up or doesn't like his life or whatever, he can go. Mm-hmm. And I do believe. I do believe in the whole, like, you know, women do have stereotypically, like, I think it is true. Like we have a greater bond because, you know, I mean, obviously some kids are adopted or whatever, but like we carried this child and, and traditionally we are the primary caregivers, although not mm-hmm. in my house. Shit. Dylan does way more for our kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like it is, it is still more acceptable for a man. Yeah to just leave and it drives me crazy and this isn't a rant about the movie it's a rant about life um (laughs) i know a guy that i was just thinking about there's this guy i was just thinking about this morning and it's like he and his wife this is somebody i worked with like 10 years ago he and his wife had gotten a divorce and things were awful and obviously i've only heard his side so of course she's a crazy bitch um but he moved he had he had he had moved to be with her. He had moved to a different state and he moved back here. Um, and he had a, a daughter with her. And when I spoke to him, she was like six years old mm-hmm. and he was, t- I asked him when the last time he saw her was, and it had been over a year. And he said that he kept like trying to plan trips to go see her, but that the, his ex wife would like get in the way and, you know, try to cancel it and stuff. And it drove me crazy that everyone around him and him seemed to think it was acceptable that he would just be so easily driven away mm-hmm. when I'm like, no, you, you go, you just get on a plane or you get in a car and you go and you fight to see your child. Yep. And it's like, and if a woman does that, mm-hmm. what a terrible fucking person. Like if I decided that I didn't want this life and I just left, I probably wouldn't be welcome back in my family. No. And if Dylan did, he would be. Like, people would judge him, but it wouldn't be the same. And so watching this, I just got so angry because I'm like, this is still a problem. And I want to see the nice movie where the man fights. 
yeah. and gets custody of the daughter. And I just this is just me ranting right now because I'm so angry <laughs> <laughs> watching it. It just reminded me of so many people I know because you're watching it and it's like he seems to love his daughter. Yeah, he loves the kid. He's trying to protect her from her mother, mm-hmm. and then he just leaves, and that is further trauma on this kid. I I would if I were her, I would have kept Fred around forever. Yeah. He doesn't go back. He, he, you never see him again. You never see him in, in the modern in the modern day. It's only in flashbacks, and then he leaves, and that's it. And that's another thing about what we know about trauma. Like how many people have grown up going around being told by their parents for decades, like, "Well, yeah, your father left because of you." Yeah. Uh, Man, this is so dark. It's so dark, and I just need it to be darker. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I, I hate that. I understand these things have to be hard to market. Like when you're not used to dealing, like when it isn't a very common thing to deal with movies this dark. But I just wish studios mm-hmm. had found a better way to promote movies like this or Heather's. Yeah, and put them out in the world where, like, how great would it be if we had more movies like that? I know. Like, these are great movies, and these are movies that stick around. Like, they become cult classics. And um, and, it, and it does usually, there usually is justice. I remember when uh, Jennifer's Body came out, um, being really upset that it didn't do well. And I knew people, like, one of the people I went to see the movie with, like, he left the theater and he was like, I don't understand. He's like, <laughs> was that a comedy? He was like, I don't get it. And I was so frustrated. I was like, I hope it becomes a cult classic someday. And I, you know, like five years later, it still wasn't appreciated. And I was like, I don't think it's going to happen. But now it's been 10 years and it does Mm -hmm. have an audience. And I'm just like, but I understand, like, how do you mark? Well, I mean, it would have been great if they focused less on Megan Fox's sexuality. Um, Yep. But even if they hadn't done that, like, how do you market these things to where people really get it? And the problem is you can't properly market these things until they're more common and people understand that they exist. Yeah, that's true. And it sucks because, like, I love it. I love how dark this movie is. I love how dark Heather's is. Like, these are the things that I want in my life. And I'm sure there's more movies like that that I don't know about because no one talks about them enough. Yeah, absolutely. I liked this when I was a kid, maybe because it was dark, I think. Because, um, and because Rick Mail's in it, but I didn't actually, mm-hmm. th- if I didn't like this, obviously I wouldn't have watched it. But I must have, because I was what, that was nine, I was 15, so I would have been about maybe mm-hmm. 16 when I first saw it. So I would, I would get that it was dark, but I still, I still loved it back then. So, yeah, more, more dark things. I think it, in a weird way, made me a better person mm-hmm. to watch these darker things and kind of deal with, like, this shit's in the world. Like, yeah, Drop Dead Fred's, like, an imaginary friend and the whole thing's ridiculous, but, like, what, I mean, throughout the entire movie, Charles is gaslighting Elizabeth. Yeah. He is, like, he is the definition of, like, gaslighting her. Like, saying, no, I didn't just say that thing I said. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. It's it's there's so much in here, like advanced concepts that like I didn't have words for until the last like five years. Yeah. Or do movies like this contribute to how depressed we are? 
<laughs> well, like, does it open a door to what's really going on in the world? <laughs> and because we watch these things, we see people's trauma, and we get really depressed, or we see our own trauma. Yeah, I don't know, but I, <laughs> but I would still like to see more stuff like this. I'm sure there are. I would too. I'm sure there are movies like from the eighties and nineties that do this sort of thing. Um, that maybe we just didn't catch back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, stuff like was it Meet the Applegates? Um, I never saw that one. Yeah, that's that's kind of dark and. Well, that was directed by Michael Lehman, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. Um, or don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. <laughs> that classic. Yes. <laughs> I oh my god, we have to. If that's not on the list, it needs to be. Okay. I, oh god, the, I I reference that movie on an almost weekly basis. <laughs> But yeah, that's an incredibly dark movie too. Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, that's on the list. Um, and it has the same composer as Heather's, and they reused some of the Heather's score. All right, okay. <laughs> well, fun fact for you. So my positive for this movie, and it shouldn't really come as a surprise, but it's Rick Mail. <laughs> because I worshipped the man when I was a child and um, a teenager and an adult. <laughs> Um and yeah, I love him, and I think this is the perfect role for him. This sort of manic, uh, stunt-driven th- uh, sort of craziness is what he was known for, and I loved him for it. And um, uh, he's missed. Uh oh, Russell Brand wanted to remake this movie. I saw that, and I could see that. I could see that. I yeah. actually think that's really good casting. I don't cause I fucking hate him, but I I, I would <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand that man at all, and I would not watch it. But um, he made Arthur. He made the remake of Arthur. Arthur. Yeah, yeah. And, and that flopped. So now no studio will touch him. So that's good, right? Um, what is your positive of this movie? I I have changed my positive. Uh, my positive is changed because of some things you said and some things that I read. Um, my positive is that I respect the hell out of writers and directors that don't hoard creative control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like you said that they were kind of loose with writing Fred mm-hmm. because it depends on who's playing yeah. him. And a lot of writers would not do that. Yeah. And I think that's really important, especially with a movie like this, where, I mean, you're going to end up getting some wacky guy. Like, you know, there was talk of Robin Williams playing him. And, like, Robin Williams, you know, has a similar manic energy, but it would have been different. Um, and the I, I just, I like that. And the fact that they let uh, Carrie Fisher rewrite a lot of her lines. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm, I'm assuming there's probably some other similar stuff. Those are the only two stories I know. But um, I like that because when you watch the movie, different people have different voices in a way that you don't get. Usually mm-hmm. when somebody's just written a movie, because they are, no matter how creative they are, people are limited by themselves, just like what they know and what they feel. And um, this movie, like, I was actually surprised at how much I liked the characters. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and how tight I thought the writing was. Like, I actually expected this to be one of those things where I go back and watch it and it's not that good. Yeah. But I actually think it's a pretty solid film. Yeah, so do I. I agree 100%. And a lot of that is, it's clear from, you know, things I've read and things that you've said that you read that it was, um, the entire thing was probably a lot more of a creative process than most movies. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I always appreciate hearing that. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, in a world where I love Aaron Sorkin, mm -hmm. but in a world where we have people like Aaron Sorkin who are tight asses about their damn scripts. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is refreshing. It's like, um, you know, they had on Ragnarok, they had a make a wish kid on set one day mm -hmm. and it was the fight scene with Thor and Hulk. And that kid was the one that suggested he say that's a friend from work. Right. Yeah. Um, and that is not only one of the best lines, if not the best line of the movie, but it made it in the trailers. And it was the mm -hmm. kind of thing that that line's in the trailer. And that's what you're talking about after you watch the trailer. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people aren't going to take a suggestion from a small child. And I just, I hear stories like that and like that they let Carrie Fisher, you know, change her lines or whatever. And it, it makes me very, very happy. Yeah. Well, this movie, uh, this entire movie is based on, um, the suggestion from a child so <laughs> that's all we have time for jen would you like to tell the people what film we're covering next saint elmo's fire yes saint elmo's fire from 1985 yes it's 1985 yeah same year as breakfast club that's exactly what i was about to say <laughs> right so we're covering that next so if you want to watch that you can give that a watch and then um listen to us talk about it and I haven't seen this film in about 20 years, so I'm a bit interested to see um, what I think of it now. Uh, I think I remember liking it, I think. <laughs> uh, right. So you can follow me at Drop the Pilot Pod on Twitter, uh, shifttobench.co.uk is the website, and contact at shifttobench.co.uk is the email address. You can send us suggestions or feedback, whatever. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Jen? Uh, at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. And uh, I also have a podcast called Closer to Free, which is a Party of Five rewatch podcast. And sometimes I post on those accounts. <laughs> um, so thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Comcast Business gets you fast gig speed internet. And now, ask how to get fast shipping with Amazon Business Prime Essentials. So you'll always be ready to bounce forward. Comcast Business. Offer ends 11-15-20. Restrictions apply. Requires qualifying Comcast Business Service. New Amazon Business Prime Essential members only.